0: Welcome back to episode 100 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens' producer. Today is number 100 for the podcast. To celebrate, we hosted a live podcast in New York City on June 11th at the Barnes & Noble in the Upper East Side. Plus, we were joined by a great group of ladies including Lorraine Sink, Julie Schubert, Stephanie Masalonski, Tony Barton, and Nick Farella. So with no further ado, our 100th podcast All right. Are are we supposed to be quiet
1: in bookstores? (laughs) I don't know. This is actually very new for usually at at Comic-Cons. We're screaming. Because we're very happy to be here. And we're always excited to celebrate uh, women in comics. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So um, my name is uh, Sana Manit. I am a director of content and character development at Marvel Entertainment.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Judy Stevens. I'm a producer for Marvel.com and DMG. Um, And I also manage this podcast. (laughs) So we also have a great group of panelists joining us today. I lost my mouse. There we is. Of course, Sana. We've got Lorraine Sink. Hi, guys. I'm Lorraine (laughs) Sink. Lorraine is uh, is one of our on-air hosts for Marvel.com. She also writes and produces Thwip, The Big Marvel Show, Marvel Minute and a bunch of other stuff. And I have a book coming out. That's
2: right, you have a book coming out. Wow. Yeah, Marvel absolutely everything you need to know all about Marvel Comics.
3: Nice.
2: Oh. We have Nick Varela, who
0: is the artist from Hyperion 1872 and Return of Living Deadpool. Hi. <laughs> So first of all, the, the three ladies at the end are all new women to the Women of Marvel podcast. Uh, Stephanie, Steph, Stephanie has been here before. Um, we're really excited to have her. Uh, she's also done a podcast with us, plus being at New York Comic Con. So, so don't be too harsh on the ladies at the end. Welcome,
4: <laughs> them, welcome them.
0: Welcome them. We've got, of course, Stephanie Meselensky. She is the costume designer for Marvel's Daredevil, Marvel's Jessica Jones, and Marvel's Luke Cage. <laughs> We've got Julie Schubert, who is the casting director for Marvel's Daredevil and Luke Cage. And Tony Barton, who is the art director for Marvel's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. And this is me. I put costumes on sometimes. So, oh, why don't you start?
1: Yes. So, um, I actually wanted to, first of all, let you guys know, thank you so much for being here and supporting us. Um, we're uh, Just so you guys know, the Women of Marvel uh podcasts really spun out of uh, panels panels that we used to do at conventions and it was really just an engagement platform for us to talk to a lot of our fans who felt like they weren't really welcome in uh the 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 comics space um and since then the marvel panels have grown significantly if you've ever been to san diego or new york comic con you cannot get in uh without uh, you'd have to be there for about two hours before to even get in and if that If that, like, um, so we're very happy about that. The podcast is sort of a is another platform for us to continue to engage with this audience. Um, and this is of course our hundredth episode, um, which we're very excited about.
0: Um, it'll be our two year anniversary in like a week or two.
1: Uh, And we're just very happy because Judy and I and a few other folks at Marvel have just been sort of doing this on our spare time. We don't get paid for this. We just really believe in uh, creating a space for for really everyone. But to to celebrate comics and to celebrate um, our fans, I think, is incredibly important. So thank you guys uh, for always supporting us. Um, But so when we talk about women of Marvel, we talk about... The history uh, of, of women in comics, and there actually has been um, a lot of women participating in comics, unbeknownst to uh, probably a lot of people. And so a few years ago, um, I just did sort of a few different bios on women in comics who um, people might not have heard of, and I think we have a couple of images actually. Um, oh, that's actually, is that Valerie? Yes, that is. No, that's Louise. Yeah, Valerie Barclay, Louise Simonson. Oh, everything's not in order. Okay, that's okay, but it's, it's, some, it's some good images. Um, well, Valerie, I'm going to talk a little bit about. Um, Valerie, actually, uh, we discovered her because Stanley wrote something called Secret Behind the Comics, um, and she used to be an inker uh, in the Marvel bull- bullpen back in the day, and actually... Um, She did uh, Nellie the Nurse, what do we got, Pig and Silly, Super Rabbit, Um, and she's actually a big part of Marvel's Golden Age, and I actually only discovered this about five years ago. Um, Then we have someone named June, that's Louise Simonson on the right, Um, and Louise Simonson, if you guys, uh, you probably know her as Wheezy. Um, She did, uh, she actually co-created Apocalypse, um, which is, which not many people know. Um, Who else do we got? Want to go to the next slide? Oh, Ann Ascenti. I love these pictures of um, Marvel back in the day. These were the editorial offices, I believe, on Fifth Avenue. Uh, And Ann Ascenti used to be an editor at Marvel. And I think one day her boss was like, hey, do you want to try out writing? And she was like, "Sure, I want to do it." And she ended up writing Daredevil after um, Frank Miller's run. And if you guys are familiar with Typhoid Mary, she co-created Typhoid Mary, which is pretty awesome. And she's still writing today. Um, she actually does—I believe—like a theater group, but she's still writing for comics. And she's she's just a f- she's made some fantastic contributions to Marvel. June Mills, I love her. So she's actually. Um, she used to go by the name of Tarp because back in the day, people were afraid—surprise, surprise—that if a woman was writing, com- uh, drawing for comics or participating, she would that they would be turned off by it. Um, so she actually went by the name Tarp. She did a bunch of different comic strips, um, and then eventually Marvel collected those and started publishing them, publishing them as strips. And she um, also, about a few years into her being into into her uh, being a cartoonist and writer um, she admitted uh, that her full name which was June Tart Mills um, and surprisingly people were not turned off by the fact that she was a woman <laughs> um, and she created this character named the Cat which apparently was married after her so there's going to be a lot we can go through this quickly I don't know i you want to go to the next one or do I have any more? are we done okay male model Miss Fury um There's also, I also want to talk really quickly about Marie Severin, who, if you guys have not heard of her, she probably is one of the most prolific artists um, at Marvel. Uh, She had worked for Marvel for about, 30 years something like that um, she started as a colorist and an inker, and then she ended up becoming an artist so she's worked on everything from Incredible Hulk um, to Doctor Strange to uh, Tales to Astonish she's sort of done uh, a bit of everything uh, and unfortunately Marie has sort of not been well the last couple of years Um, but she just described working in the Marvel bullpen as sort of one of the greatest times of her life she never felt um, any different from the men that she worked with and um, I had the opportunity to interview her and that was a really really incredible experience Um, and then I want to talk real quickly which we didn't bring a picture uh, Flo Steinberg if you guys were fans of Marvel back in the day, um, Flo was really uh, Stanley's Girl Friday. Um, they had sort of the they, the Marvel Mary radio... I forgot what it was called. Um, but they had basically... Uh, Stanley would have this... Uh, sort of all of the bullpenters come together and do this radio show and talk about and create a drama behind the scenes of what it was like to work at Marvel. And Flo was on it constantly yelling at everyone. <laughs> um, if you ever wrote a letter to Flo. She was the one who, uh, sorry, to, to, to Marvel. Flo was the one who was responding. She would greet people and greet all the people trying to get a Marvel tour and or block them from the entrances. Um, and what's really cool is that she's actually a proofreader uh, at Marvel today, and she still comes around the offices. She yells at us for uh, messing up our, our content and copy. Um, so I just wanted to sort of pay some, and the, the, that's just the the sort of surface of the women that have worked in. At Marvel uh, over the last few decades and we just wanted to pay a a quick tribute to them um, and just share with you where we've been and now sort of introduce you to where we're going, how far we've come. Um, those were the few women working in comics over the last you know, 50, 60 years. Um, and now, as Marvel has grown as a company, there are so many women across our company lines. And that's why this is so very exciting to have all these ladies here with us celebrating the 100th episode um, because we want to share with you their experiences and the amazing possibilities,
0: creative opportunities uh, working at Marvel that there are. So with that, so um, sort of on top of what sort of Sana was saying, you know, I, I always look to this podcast as, as a conversation. You know, where there's a, you know, we're in a small room. We don't really need mics to talk to you, but it's an additive bonus—a conversation of of people that work at Marvel and and you guys at home. And sort of like, and I think that's really great. Is one of the things that social media is really important and sort of created this interesting atmosphere. Um, But so we've, you know, through social media, we found so many new artists and stuff like that and created the the evolution. So, you know, we've looked at art that has come before us from female... Um, creators and writers and you know now we have Nick who is sort of new to the Marvel family you've done a bunch of books for us before you're working on a on a uh, an, an active book coming out every month Hyperion and so we're actually really excited to show you guys pages from Hyperion and before um, that you probably just submitted in like a week or two ago yeah I did <laughs> yeah so uh, this comes out on um, June 29th uh, at the end of the month if you guys are not reading Hyperion it is beautiful um, uh, he's basically a yellow guy. He's got a lot of yellow going on. Um, but sort of, you know, like, we always like to have a conversation about sort of how you work. But, Nick, I'm really interested. Like, how did you sort of, why did you want to be a, a comic artist? Like, it's something that women aren't allowed to do, but, like,
5: now it's a conversation you're allowed to do it, and you're really great at it. To be honest, I actually didn't want to be a comic artist. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wanted to be an animator at first, but... Comics have always been part of my life. Like My father first introduced me to Silver Surfer and slot cars. That's what I did growing up, (laughs) racing my little slot cars and reading comics and watching a lot of animated specials. But when I got older, I don't know, I was all over the place. First I wanted to do fashion illustration because my mom, she went to school for art. And then gradually, little by little, I said maybe I could... You know, actually, be a cartoonist. You know, give it a shot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you did. You like learn how to actually do cartooning because that's so different than 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 page drawing. Yeah, no, I went.
5: I went to the School of Visual Arts for yeah all four years, <laughs> and uh... it was pretty exciting. I had a lot of very great teachers. I had David Mazakelly, actually. That's not true. I used to sit in on his class. I, I really—he was like, "Yeah, you could sit in my class." I was like, "Okay." And uh, Nick Bertozzi, who does a lot of uh, independent comic work, and I also had Becky Cloonan as my senior portfolio teacher, which was really great. That was very interesting too. Her talking about her experiences, you know.
1: So did you find? I mean, to be perfectly honest, like. Women in comics and women f- creators and artists in comics is sort of relatively new, at least in superhero world, right? There's a lot of female indie comics creators. So what was that transition for you like? Did you find it difficult? Did you feel, no, I was, you kind of jumped right in?
5: No, because to me, storytelling is storytelling. Yeah. I just want to tell a good story. It's as simple as that. I never, you know, I was never intimidated by the subject matter. That's
1: great. That's 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 one of those things that um,
5: I feel like, at least
1: for me, when I first started working in comics, that's the intention, right? The intention right. is, I want to tell great stories. right? And it's really hard sometimes, though, when all of the noise sort of distracts you from being able to do that.
5: Yeah, it's scary, because you do have some naysayers. But I mean, you can't listen to that. Right. It's just, you know. Awesome.
0: It's more stuff. Yeah. So, um, so you know, we've we've talked to Stephanie before. This is some of the stuff you sent me for New York Comic Con. Um, sadly, we can't talk too much about that upcoming series. But <laughs> you know, you've worked on such a wide range of characters. You know how different. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, so, and also Jessica Jones is out, and sort of like the evolution of the characters as you bring it, can you talk a little bit about Luke Cage and sort of like where you wanted to take that, because you've done Daredevil now and you've done Jessica Jones, but where is, where are we gonna, you know, how is, is there suits involved, is there?
6: Well, every every comic thus far has had its own vibe, its own environment, its own look. Um, Each show is, of course, run by a different... Oops, sorry. (laughs) Can everybody hear me? Uh, Each show is run individually by a different producer, and each of those producers has a particular vision, which, of course, is collaborated uh, with Marvel and the superiors at Marvel. But um, every single show, uh, Marvel does a great job hiring particular um, men and women to... Run each show and create the tone of each show. And Luke Cage, unlike Jessica Jones and unlike uh, Daredevil, takes place in a different part of New York City. And you may all know where that is. I'm not certain <laughs> that I'm allowed to show to talk about it, but suffice it to say that it is a different part of New York City. Um, I would say that what each character has in common, in particular regarding the clothing is that each each one of these characters gains strength from what they wear and it's 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 actually more of an emotional psychological thing than it is necessarily a protective uh, a protective suit, although obviously Daredevil had his suit made, and that is indeed protective um, in a very real way or as real as comic books will allow you to consider that um, but regarding Jessica Jones she uh, utilized her clothing as sort of an armor against what she faced everyday whether, whether it was demons or whether it was Kilgrave and she was very comfortable within what she wore, so comfortable that she really kind of never changed her clothes and that sort of, that was an idea that kind of evolved really quickly. It just made sense that this extremely damaged young woman who'd gone through an ex- incredibly traumatic experience didn't could have cared less about what she wore, and what was easiest was to pick up what was closest to her, to her when she woke up in the morning, having most likely experienced a bender the night before. And Luke Cage was a very different kind of a person with a very different kind of a background and a, a different type of discipline. He had gone through. He's he has gone through his own experiences of trauma and heartbreak. Um, But he has dealt with them differently, and he is dressed differently. Um, But what he wears also becomes something that he is able to get at least, if nothing else, a psychological uh, protective covering, which enables him to go out and do what he needs to do. And we found as we went forward in the episodes that it made sense for him to dress relatively Similarly, all the time, um, but it took a little while to figure out what exactly that was going to be. It just each show, like I said, has its own tone, and each show evolves, and you sort of land on things as you grow in the uh, episodes.
1: And the and the one thing to note about that is that for for Marvel and sort of the the origin of the costume is as just as important as the origin of the character. They're very very much linked. We think about exactly. What that character is wearing, and what I love what you 've done because with you know Marvel, with live action television, you still have to make it feel realistic and not sort of too cartoony, so people kind of buy in, but you 've also made their civilian clothes as costumes in themselves, and if you guys don 't watch, we did a great podcast with Stephanie um, a few months back, and you should listen to it um, but if you guys watch Jessica Jones, you should just pay attention to just the subtle hints, like the pops of color on Kilgrave, the purples, um, and how she uses color and aesthetic to really uh, speak to who th- those characters are. Um, and the lighting also really complements the entire tone of that series, which is done um, just, just so, so well. So uh, very, very impressed.
6: It really was done well. I mean, I think that um, each, each show and... and um, Tony had contributed so much of it being part of the set design. Um, each show almost feels like a novelistic movie. It's it's so they're they're all so well done. But one of the things, and you've just touched on it, um, it's it was extremely important to pay homage to the origin story and to the origin original look of the comics and the original look of the characters when they were first uh, created, and then of course bring that look into the 21st century into today.
0: So um, I'm going to skip a slide, and then I'm going to come back to it. Because we're talking about sort of art direction. Um, Tony was actually really great and sent us these amazing images of uh, some of the sets that you know you guys have seen your characters in, but not actually. Like, I've never seen anything like this. This is so cool. I mean, I, I've had the opportunity to walk through um, through matt 's uh, apartment, but I, I think that you know s- set design uh, and like art direction is such an important aspect to um, to you know to the to the series you 're seeing and and good art direction is something you don 't notice just like good costume design is something you don 't notice you know when you were brought to Netflix and the Marvel series Tony sort of how, what was your how did you attack this because you know here 's um, Daredevil, and then we have Jessica Jones. So two uniquely different sort of spectrums, um, and also in in each one of these aspects, like two different worlds, like how did you tackle this?
3: well just just to back up a little bit, Lauren Weeks is the production designer of the, of the show, and he's my boss. and um, under Lauren are two people, myself, as the art director, I'm basically an architect. And then um, on these three sh- on these two shows, and Luke Cage, um, Allison Froling was a set decorator. Um, she's basically the interior designer. And so we create the visual look, uh, the vision that Lauren decides, along with Stephanie, along with the cinematographer, along with the director, and along with Marvel. Um, and so when we began with Daredevil, it was this was new. I mean, we hadn't seen these. and, and to be honest with you, Marvel was new to me. I read my first comic book, Jeff Loeb's Yellow, on route to the interview, sitting on the train. <laughs> and, um, and, and it was kind of funny because I'm like some guy, I could see him looking over my shoulder as he's you know, reading. I was like, it's kind of good. You wouldn't see? <laughs> um, so the, I, this, this world is completely new to me. Um, but then I, I work with Lauren Weeks, who is a, a nerd, and he sucks it up. And I had like we have such an amazing team that between Zachary Zerlin, who's the graphic designer, and our clearance coordinator, and the assist- other assistant art directors, and um, the other um, the shoppers, and everybody, you know, they just sit and and delve into the comics and look for Easter eggs and you know things that you guys will pick up that you know only you guys will pick up or or that. You know when the creators of the of the of these comics watch their, these shows that are delved in reality as opposed to you know in these colorful worlds that are that are drawn beautifully. You know that hopefully they they pick up some of the world that we want to delve in. But as audience members, as you watch it, you you don't think so. Um, you don't think as much as this couldn't happen because it feels as real as possible.
1: How do you? You know for for us, marvel the the cities and the setting is just as important as the character. so we always say New York City is a character in our story what 's interesting about at least for like um, for Marvel and for Jessica jones it 's a very distinct part of new york city it 's not the New York City really that you saw in avengers it 's sort of like the leftovers of New York in some senses. So how do you make that feel? I mean, it might be a complicated question, but how do you, how do you make that environment feel related to the Marvel universe but still very distinct? Because you need, you need people to feel desperate in that part of town,
3: right? It, it's, um, it's an excellent question, it's, yeah. and it's well stated. It's, um, when, when Lauren began, you know, this Hell's Kitchen is not a Hell's Kitchen that exists anymore you walk in a Hell's Kitchen it doesn't look like Hell's Kitchen of the 90s or the 70s or the 80s which is kind of more of the world that, that Lauren was delving into and I'm sure Stephanie was as well um, and some of the references that we looked at I'm going to think of some of the movies I don't, I don't know if Stephanie if you remember but um, it was like a cop film from the late 80s and I'm going to remember it after this event <laughs> um, that was Wonderful, but it was it was more like looking at Hell's Kitchen from the late '80s and saying, "How do we create this?" But have you believe that it's in existence now? Right, but no shoulder pads, <laughs> <laughs> no fluorescence, <laughs> no fluorescent lights. Yeah,
0: and and like I think the one thing that I, when I always talk to people on Marvel TV, both both on the Netflix side and uh, you know from the ABC side, is that. Uh, it's all about a a community of people that work together in a family, and I feel like, Julie, you come in very early in the process, and you're, you know, you put the first, you're like the first chess pieces out on the board of who's going to play. Sort of what goes into casting?
4: I mean, that's really interesting, because we, uh, my partner, Nyla Ray Mayfield, we are a team. She's in L.A., and I'm in New York. And um, it it really was a new frontier for both of us, because, like Tony, we'd never... Really, even looked at, you know, um, or, or grown up around this. So before we even started, I basically got my friend who, you know, was, gave me all of his comics. I mean, I had a stack this high, and I sat down for like a week to go through everything because these are such iconic characters. And the only thing, especially for Daredevil, that was out in the universe was. This film that wasn't as well received as I think everyone would have. It was wanted. not good. It was not good. Just it's um, fine. It's fine. <laughs> so you know, it, it was it was really about how do you honor the characters on the page and um, and find a way to create this universe in a very real and very grounded way because that's and that's what we loved about the idea of it coming in is that they really really wanted it to be grounded and real and gritty. It was a a crime drama, not a superhero story so you know it's a lot of discussion and i think it you know the create the creative casting aspect evolved over the course of time just talking about actors their strengths what they bring to the table and then you know you find you talk you start talking about charlie cox and it's i mean it all just sort of came together in an amazing way it was just of course charlie cox why how could it not be and then you have these amazing um you know Elton Henson, who's you—you you feel like he's come out of the out of the comic, and there he is on on the screen, and Karen Page, and um, and so it was just—it was finding a way to honor what was what everyone knows these characters to be, but find actors that fill in their own voices and create them in their own ways, and that was really exciting in the end. And and what's similar to what you
1: do, and what's very very similar to what our artists do is bringing those characters to life. And that's a responsibility, really, of like everyone who's working on the show, of course. Um, but finding the right person to make Daredevil come alive or Karen Page come alive is, is really difficult. Because, you know, and I've worked with some artists who just know who can, who can draw Steve Rogers and, in one sort of raise of an eyebrow that's Steve Rogers, you get it. And then some artists who cannot at all. <laughs> um, but I think that's, you know, you have a lot of pressure. <laughs> it was a lot of pressure to be able to do that. What is, like, how do you guys know? Like, when, you, when you're looking at sort of, um, you know, people, what is it called, like, test, test shots?
4: What are they called? Test, uh, auditions? Sc- screen tests. Screen tests, there you go. Test. Screen tests. Do you just automatically know No, I mean, it's interesting. In some cases, you do. In some cases, someone comes in and you're like, well, duh. And then in other cases, it's a little bit... You know, it's it's also an evolution of the character itself and where the character is going to go in the series. So if we're lucky enough to sort of understand the trajectory of that role, um, it's finding that actor that's going to embody that character and be able to make it believable from start to finish, not necessarily from just the beginning. Uh, Because these characters, they have such such unique stories that sort of go all over the place. I mean, even Karen Page has, you know, in the comics, not, you know, not necessarily all of it has been reflected yet in, in the series, but it's, you know, finding someone who can actually believably embody everything that, that could happen to that character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, sometimes someone will walk in and you're just like, absolutely, and sometimes it takes a little time. You read a lot of actors, you discuss the role, you see what works, what doesn't, and, yeah. and you take it from there. Well, funny
1: because Joe Casada was saying, and Joe Casada is our chief creative officer, for those of you who don't know, um, and had a really strong run of Daredevil back in, the, back in the day. But the first time he saw Charlie Cox, which I think was in Stardust or something. Yeah, Stardust. Yeah, I, he, he had turned, I think he turned to like Dan Buckley or somebody, and he was like, this guy's, this guy's our Daredevil. And this was a while ago. Yeah. And I think when it all kind of came together, it was like, you know, obviously a confluence of, of sort of happy
4: circumstances. It was, because you wasn't available initially.
1: Oh, really? Oh, oh.
4: I don't know if I'm supposed to talk to that. I'm, I'm...
7: But just,
1: yeah, <laughs> it the, you know... It's it, okay. it worked out in there. the end, so I'll say that.
4: <laughs> but it was... Yeah, no, it, all of us. I mean, I think it was, you know, Charlie Cox in general. Because I'd worked on Boardwalk Empire. And mm-hmm. so I, I was uh, lucky enough to see him in that role. And then, you know, see the damage that he caused in that role, as that role. And I think that sort of helped everybody see the the larger picture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, Charlie Cox, obviously. Charlie Cox, yeah. Obviously. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> so attractive. I mean, he's hot, is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> um, So I actually wanted to give uh, Lorraine the opportunity to chat. So Lorraine, for you guys, for those of you who don't know, is the amazing host of uh, now it's The Whip. Am I right, Lorraine? Yes. Um, And she has been um, hosting a lot of our our digital shows um, that is sort of... How we are engaging with Mar- Marvel fans, um, and I have so much respect for her because she's constantly on air. She's interviewing celebrity. She's interviewing celebrities all the time. It's tough work. So
2: so, so tough. tough. <laughs> um,
1: but why don't you talk a little bit about sort of what Marvel's been doing and what's sort of uh, you know first of all sell Marvel to these folks, um, and and what's coming up next and what you're excited about.
2: So much. Um, so my job largely is to talk to you guys and hang out with you guys, and that—that that is my job. So Ryan Panagos, you guys might know him on Twitter as Agent M. A uh, nod, nod. Yes, yes. We know Ryan and his proclivity for tacos. Uh, so it's our job every week. We do like 20 minutes where we take questions from you guys and comments, and we tell you kind of we talk about the big news that's going on, and then we also do stuff that's really stupid, <laughs> uh, and we kind of put upon ourselves to do stupid competitions and all kinds of fun things. And it's very fun and silly, and it's all about just engaging with you guys. Uh, that I also do the Marvel Minute, which is a weekly show. Where where I just deliver the hot tips, the news, the news of the week. Uh, and then I also write the top 10 series and I do all these live events. So I get to go and talk to all the celebrities on the red carpets for like Captain America Civil War and all of those kinds of things. I videos. like how you whispered that. It's a secret. It's a secret. It's not a secret. Uh, so yeah, but largely our job is to give you guys what you want and also to kind of uh, take in what you guys are saying and the climate and what's going on. So if you're passionate about something, you want to know more about something, it's kind of my job to be like, oh, they want more of this thing. Let's give it to them Uh, because that's how supply and demand works. I think. I didn't study economics. I think what's what's really important when Lorraine does
0: is you know we've ha- we've heard all these other amazing women talk about all the different elements that bring together great content for Marvel for you guys. Lorraine has to input all of it into her head. She has to take Marvel TV, Marvel Video Games, Marvel Animation, Marvel Studios, Marvel Comics, and every other thing that we do, and then be like, i got to write a show this week. What am I going to talk about? And I think that that's so important is the different different puzzle pieces, the different chess pieces that are the men and women that work at Marvel. And, you know, how we all come together to create great, great content. You know, sometimes you only ever see in the front, you know, you only ever see, like, Charlie Cox. Or maybe you see Lorraine on the Internet. But there's so many different pieces in the background. And I and I always applaud Lorraine because she has so much stuff in her head. It's busy in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, on top of that, you know, how do you, as you're incorporating all these pieces, like, how do you take what what is tons of content and tons of news and make it into something that's sort of appet- appetitable. That's not a word, but I made it up. I
2: like it. You're like Shakespeare. <laughs> Judy sometimes is Shakespeare because she just creates words, and I love it. It's
0: my favorite. Yeah, so everyone out on the internet should use that as a word. But how do you make it something that's bite-sized?
2: Well, you know, the, the real answer, if you really want to know, is you take the story, you try to cut words out, and then you add a punchline. But um, no, I mean I think I think the important thing is to kind of understand what people are looking for. So I know that you know if we're talking about the new casting release for all the new members of Marvel's Thor Ragnarok, which is crazy, by the way. Kate Blanchett, y'all, what? Um, it's gonna be red. Oh, and Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, different story anyways, my, my point is I think the important thing is to say like, what are you guys dying to know okay, anything else is chaff it's off to the side and this is what we're going to focus on and then, and then write a punchline
0: the end, <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we're sort of a little short on time as much as I would love to talk and I probably will hopefully get every single one of you on a podcast to talk to us in the future but sort of about what you do a little bit more in depth um, we want to open an app to questions um, in the audience. Uh, We don't bite, I promise. Well, we
1: also have, I just want to say as incentive, we brought some swag for you guys. Um, so anyone who asks not to bribe you, anyone who has (laughs) bribe you, but to bribe you, uh, we've got, we've got some trades. Uh, we've got, you know, we've got some stuff here, uh, so you can, uh, complete, uh, your, your Marvel loyalty. we have, we have some signed comics. Yeah. We've got some signed comics, um, and some other, some other things. So, uh, feel free to ask some questions and make them hard. Make them difficult. Why,
0: why don't we go right here, actually? I saw you go up first. Oh, wait, there's someone. Uh, the Barnes & Noble guy has go. a mic. <laughs> so, and also, when you ask your question, um, let us know your name and where you're from. I'm Veronica. I'm from New York. Hi, no, Veronica. Hi. Just around here, actually. And um, I have a question for you. How did you get into, um, like, interviewing all these Marvel
2: celebrities and you, um, your shows. Like, how did you start that? It's so weird. Um, <laughs> I so I was always a comic fan. I grew up. Uh, my older brother like sunk me into it early on, and so I was like that stuff. And then living in New York, I was a comedian, and so I do improv comedy and weird things like that. And I was making videos with one of my girlfriends, and we would make stupid jokes about comic books and sci-fi, and that's actually what got me an audition to do this. So hang out with a bunch of weirdos, (laughs) make videos in your living room, and eventually someone will pay to do it for you to do it for them. I think that's, that's the thing. And two, I interview people a lot. And one of the questions that people always want to know is like, how did you do that thing? Just start doing it and get good at it. And then people will pay you to do it. (laughs) good advice
1: what's really hard though is actually we, we do some like live shows sometimes and you really also have to be good at improv I would say and knowing how to just talk for like 30 minutes at a time. There's this one time where our senior editor, Nick Lowe, was on the red carpet for an X Men show, and none of the celebrities were showing up, and we had live feed, and he had to talk for an hour. <laughs> and he talked about his childhood. <laughs> unrelated to Marvel
0: Comics at all. He's like, You know, I like ice cream, <laughs> it's delicious. It was really embarrassing. Well, and also, like, sometimes on red carpets, someone will come that maybe not necessarily from the film that you're on the red carpet for, and you're, like, not prepped for, and then you're, like, ask them a question. I don't know what they're do. I've definitely had to do that for the podcast before, being, like, th- someone thrown at me before, and I was like, uh, don't. Okay, let's just
2: talk, I guess. That, that is a weird thing, because there are famous people, and just, like, we're you guys, right? Like, we're just like you, so someone will walk up and you'll be like, oh, man, I saw this guy in that movie. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have to be like, so what, how is your current project?
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so you know how to be, just be on your feet and know how to make stuff up.
0: There's a, a, a worse way of saying that, which I won't say. Yeah. It's not like, for you raise your hand. Oh, wait for the mic. I want to make sure you're on the podcast.
7: Hi, I am Tiffany. I'm from the Bronx. Hi, um, Tiffany. Hi. I just wanted to ask about the direction of She-Hulk in the Hell's Kitchen Daredevil verse because I think that's where she belongs. I think that she would be a perfect complement to Jessica Jones and Hellcat and all that and I feel like I don't really I'm scared of her going to the MCU because of like how the logistics of putting her in there, but I think Deadpool was a good indicator of how she can break the fourth, fourth wall like she normally does. So just what's the direction of She-Hulk in the television or movies or something?
1: Well, so uh, I can talk a little bit about this in the sense that there is no direction at the moment. (laughs) Uh, I feel like you're making a fan request right now, right? You're just like, can you just get her in there? Because I want to see her. It's It's your dream. dream. Um, I'll give you Kevin Feige's email address. (laughs) Totally okay. I'll be yelled at. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think She-Hulk's a fantastic character. You know, what's so great about Marvel right now is that we have so much content, so many amazing characters, and this is all brand new. Like, ten years ago, with well, the studios, is only about ten years old, right? Marvel Studios. So, in that amount of time, we've had about... How many movies do we have now? Uh, on your feet 11 make, uh, make and, stuff up there you go I think it's about 11 um, I did the Marvel marathon <laughs> yes. uh, um, and then we've got these great television shows and we have animated content we have games all of this has happened in the last 10 years so think about that and think about what the potential is for the next 10 years and what we do and a lot of what I do actually at Marvel is about thinking about creatively and strategically about our IP and where it can go and how we can get into more audiences than ever before But
7: what is the right place? What is
1: the right place for She-Hulk? That's a great question. Yeah,
7: like, in probably, like, starting up Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway right there, like, (laughs) and taking Supernatural Law. And I just have this, like, vision of her, like, on the subway, like, getting bumped one day and not being able to do anything about it. And then when she gets the gamma radiation she gets bumped and then she really turns up like i feel like i can totally see that whole thing happen in new york you should <laughs> you should write comics why don't you write comics? what's going on i am on? actually you're I'm writing just... comics that's amazing I yes <laughs> I stalked you guys at ACBC and asked how it was to tastefully write trauma. I don't know if I you remember. I remember you.
1: Yeah, that oh. was me?
7: So I've been stalking you guys.
1: Thanks all for over. following us.
5: We love <laughs> we love yeah.
1: female stalkers. We're yeah. okay with that. Definitely. So if <laughs> I have definitely. to write her, I will. Like <laughs> no problem. Go write some fan fiction. I'm also an actress, so <laughs> yeah. just 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 do it all. Put yourself out there. Thanks yeah. for coming here today. Yeah. But the, that you totally get our. Characters and you should, you should be writing. Write a Marvel comic one day. We'd Thank love you. to have you. Another question. Who we got? Go ahead, right there.
2: You? That's right. Hi. Um, so I have a question for um, Stephanie and Julie about um, Daredevil Season 2. Um, I know you guys brought on Elodie Young as. Um, I'm blanking on her name Electra. Now. Electra, yes. And uh, I thought she was just so perfect for the casting of that character. And it really spoke to me as a strong female character on television. So um, can you just talk to me about casting it and getting her costumes together?
6: I'm going to let you take over because I unfortunately did not do Daredevil season 2. I was oh, okay. busy with Jessica Jones and starting up Blue Cage. So sadly, I was not available to do
0: it. We actually uh, talked, no, I'll let Julie answer too, but we we talked to the costume designer for um, for Daredevil season 2, uh, Lorraine. I, Lorraine on a podcast. Um, and it came out about uh, probably like two or three months ago. So um, you, you can look at the 99 podcasts we've done, but um, you know we talked spe- specifically about Elektra's costume. So, but
4: and in terms of casting, there really was no one else to play this. fidelity. I mean she she is an incredibly skilled martial artist, and everything that you see on screen is mostly her. You know what I mean? There was very few things that they ended up stunting um for her and she's just she embodies what i when i read the comics and saw electra i mean i realized that she is greek in the comics um which i know has been You know, a talking point. But when you see, but what it is, it's about the mystery of her, and there's something so mysterious and so fascinating about Elodie. So you can't imagine anybody else doing that. So it was really, it was very exciting. It was, you know, we they started talking to us about the character um, about three months, three or four months before we ever saw any scripts for Daredevil season two. They're like, so we're going to introduce Elektra this season, and we're like, oh, okay. And you know, the only other thing about Elektra was the movie with Jennifer Gardner, which. I think everyone wanted to be. Also bad, yes. Um, (laughs) And so it was like, how do you recreate that character to make everybody excited about the character? And immediately they were like, we don't even need to see pages, it's gonna be Elodie Young. It's gonna be. And you know, you do your process, and it was Elodie Young. Thank you.
1: Um, You know, and I I will say about Electra, because I've worked on um, that character on the comic side, and she's actually such a complicated character to write. Um, and to feel relatable, um, because we've sort of just written her as this assassin. And I absolutely love her, but get, getting that dimension has always been very, very difficult, at least when I've worked on, on that character. Um, but what's so great about what Elodie has done and what you know the entire Daredevil team has done is really brought out this relatabil, r- relatability and this accessibility factor to her, which... I couldn't even, I didn't see coming. As soon as she was on
4: screen, I was like, oh my God, that is the, the best Electra I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, she's like someone that you want to, to be friends with, but someone you also envy. And I feel like yeah. that's everything that Electra has to be.
1: Yeah, you're, you're scared of her, but you also kind of love her. But you don't know if she's going to kill you or not. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> All right, thanks for that question. Any other questions? There you go, right? Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, all right. We're pointing at You well, pick, Sana. Okay, we'll go there and then there.
7: Hi. Hello. Hi, my name is Brandy. I am from New York. Um, I'm a director, an indie director, as well as an indie producer. My question is, when yes. it comes to, I guess, content for Marvel, um, how would, how would I go about, I guess, pitching it to you? Like, do I need a distributor to come to you and pitch it for me? Um, do you accept full scripts or um, a series bible? Or what? what is the process when it comes to, um, I guess, pitching content for Marvel?
1: So I, Cannot speak for uh, television and studios as to what their processes are, just because I'm not really sure what the processes are. I don't know how I think they. I believe that they work with agents for the most part. Um, On our end, uh, on the comic side of it, and what's really great about Marvel in general is because we're such a we're a big company, but we're a small company. We run ourselves like a startup. We're very very lean. We're doing we between the two of us, we have like ten actual jobs. But what's great is that once you kind of get your foot in the door, whether it's in the comic space or the television space, we are always constantly talking to each other about creators. So um, for us, on the comics end, we are just looking for people who have published work, who have a unique point of view, um, and who can sort of uh, give us a story concept. We're not looking for pitches. We're just looking for... the the original stories you're already telling. And if we like that, then we'll connect with you and say, hey, we want to get your take on Electra. We want to see what you can do. Pitch us a story. Um, And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but we always encourage people to keep creating their own content because we aren't necessarily looking for people to be writing superhero stories. We're just looking for people who can bring their own unique voice to the superhero world because we don't, we don't believe superhero is a genre. We believe we have genres within the superhero space, um, and that's why we think it's even more important to have really distinct creators and voices. So, I mean, on my end, you know, I'm looking for published work um, and I'm looking to see exactly what what you've done, um, and usually we we go from there. But again, like we had uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Fizikas from Agent Carter with the showrunners write Captain Marvel for me because. We're just like, why not? Um, so we're constantly communicating, going back and forth as to, to what opportunities could be across our divisions. Yeah.
0: And also in the digital spectrum, I mean, Lorraine's story is a good example. She was already making content. You know, even in digital, like, we're already looking we're looking for people that have, like, a, a wealth of ability to do what we're doing, maybe on a smaller scale. And then we do some higher, bigger produced video series and stuff. Black Panther, we do these amazing Black Panther recaps now that go out um, the Wednesday of uh, of The issues, and we actually uh, they talked to to, to Tanisi Coates. So, you know, sort of creating what you're doing and and share it with you know. I think almost all of us are on social media. You know, sharing it with the people that work both at Marvel and Netflix and ABC. I think is really you know make your content and get it out there. So,
7: thank you. Awesome. Good too. Oh yeah,
1: you were next. You were next. Gryffindor was next. Yes. (laughs)
2: Hi, I'm Shane. I'm from around New York. Um I was wondering for those of you working on the TV shows, how much pressure do you feel to
4: please the comic fans?
5: That's a great question.
4: In the in the MCU, um it's a very big deal with especially on the Tumblr fans um that we kind of broke Joss Whedon. So, I was wondering
1: for the... You guys are new to, to the Marvel world, too. So what is that? How, what has that been like for you guys? Any hate mail yet, or what?
6: Well, um... I mean, <laughs> I, I really She's I like, shoot. Be, I want to, to please the fans. I don't want the the fans to be mad at me. Or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to see reviews where, oh, I can't believe the way she just Jessica Jones, or that was just ridiculous and terrible. I really want to feel as though I'm a fan myself, and I sort of... Try to dive into the history and into the um, into the backstories as much as possible, and, and really put myself there, and and then just try to carry the the ideas and the visions into uh, a modern time, into today, the 21st century. I want I want the fans. It's it's pressure, but it's something that I really really want to do. It's it's very important to me, and it's it's. I mean this. One thing that's beautiful, one thing that I love about what we do, it's a it's a it's a real collaboration. I collaborate with Tony. I'm on the phone with the casting department often. We really we talk to one another. It's um, that's one of the great things about what we do. It's it's an entire collaboration, and it's uh, it's it's enjoyable.
3: We're always looking for Easter eggs. So we're you we know that you guys are. So we're always you know. We have side meetings. We have, there, are, there are meetings upon meetings upon meetings, and this is what happens in television. You have your fir- you first have your concept meeting, then you have your, like, we have an individual art department meeting, and then there's a production meeting, um, and somewhere between all those meetings within our department, we'll sit between Lauren, the production designer, and the graphic designer, and the clearance coordinator, and set decorator, and myself, we'll sit and say, is this an opportunity to hide an Easter egg? Is this something that somebody will get? And it's a game for us, and we know then it's a game for you. And so if we enjoy it, we think that hopefully you'll enjoy it as well.
4: And in terms of the casting aspect, everyone has an opinion about casting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like there is... I, I have not been on a single fan site that is not like, oh, I'm so angry, or I am i want this person. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's really interesting. And we want to make sure that everyone is excited about the cast because, again, these are such iconic figures. So we figure if we cast the best person that embodies all of the aspects of the characters as they're written that you will be happy you know and i think so far we've been rather fortunate that we haven't gotten a lot of backlash from from you guys so thank you for enjoying our casting
1: <laughs> she says nervously
4: <laughs> um the the one
1: just one thing i was i, I was going to say is you know we have an Daredevil and Lecture, by the way, was not created by Marvel Studios, or Marvel, by the way, just so you know, the old ones. So that's why I can hate on it. Um, but I think the difference in what is happening with Daredevil and Jessica Jones now is because we really do have an amazing um, staff and creators behind the scenes who really know our content. Even if they like, have been behind the scenes, like Joe Quesada and Dan Buckley, who just know our IP in and out, um, and Kevin Feige, of course, um, and people who are new, like Julie and Tony and Stephanie, like really just latched on and really understood the intention. I think that's extremely important in terms of creating an authentic Marvel experience. We've gotten very lucky with the people that we've hired. Um, and that has really, I think, given us, uh, less hate mail, <laughs> and just more of a positive response because these people really understand the brand and really understand our characters. And I think that's incredibly important. Um, so, yeah, so, so again, yeah, thank you for not...
0: And what I think is really interesting about the sort of the Netflix, maybe not necessarily for Julie because your stuff gets out no matter what, like, earlier, is that they're creating the entire series without you ever seeing any of it. So you know they're working on like eight-day filming schedule, just like Agents of Shield is. But you know they're not, like while Agents of Shield people are sort of seeing what's happening and like what's the fans' reactions, they get to sort of work in a bubble, which I think leads you guys to have a little bit more freedom and also less stress about the content you're creating. You know you definitely don't have to worry about what everyone's opinion is, um, but then as so you also have to hold your breath when it's released.
6: There's a lot less second guessing.
1: We had another a couple questions. Okay, great. All right, we'll go there and then to you. Right there.
5: My question is for Julie. I was wondering if you were involved in the casting for Jessica Jones because Kristen Ritter is just amazing. Yeah.
4: No. Actually, we were consulting on Jessica Jones, but the casting directors were Carrie Barden and Paul Schnee, and they did, uh, they did the series. Huh. Yeah. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, over there.
2: Um so you may have mentioned this already because I came in a little bit late, sorry. Um, but I actually have in school, um, we've been doing this English unit on graphic novels and my group actually she chose to study Miss Marvel um and really enjoyed it and found it like very relatable, especially she's like a young woman. Um, and so I was just wondering if any of you were involved in the creation of that story and if you could tell me a little about about the development of it or like how, what it's what's the future of it is
1: uh, yeah, so that's my baby. <laughs> uh, Ms. Marvel's like my little sister. Um, that came about, um, I pitched that series, the concept of that series, about now three years ago, I think. Uh, and it was in the room. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was very nervous at the time because I pitched it to all of my bosses and I said, hey, how about we create a story about a young Muslim American? chick uh from New Jersey City. Uh and as I was saying it I was like, oh my God, is this gonna sell any comics? I don't know. Um and uh you know, at that time, actually, we were selling. I think one or two. We had one or two female titles, um, and I decided to try to uh, create a third of a minority character um, from a demographic that is relatively controversial, particularly today. Still, I thought we would get over this by now, um, and uh, immediately the response was, "Yeah, that's that's, huh? That sounds like a Peter Parker story to me. Do it, um, and." two, three years later. It's, uh, I think, one of our... That's really been sort of our, our entry point series to get new fans in. has been um, people from all over have really been connecting with the series. What's really amazing for me is that um, it's not really meant to be a comic just for young Muslim girls. It's, it has a really universal message to it. Um, and I'm just very grateful with the response. And, of course, Gila Wilson, Wilson, the writer, and Adrian Alfona really created this full and rich world um, that is, you know, similar to New York and, oh, sorry, similar to Jersey City, but has, is very, very wacky. Um, and the cast of characters in that world are also very, very relatable and adorable. Um, so we have a lot of, of great things planned. What's amazing about Ms. Marvel in particular um, is one, that it did not get cancelled after Issue 9, which I thought was going to happen. Um, it has been really uh, the, the, the flagship of so much of the, of the flagship title of so much of the change that has happened in Marvel in the last few years. You talk about female-led content. We have about 19 to 20 female-led titles at Marvel, um, and that has popped up from zero, which was six years ago we had zero. Um, We have a lot more diversity within our line, um, and people are embracing it. People are buying that content, and that's incredibly important for us, um, because we believe in it, and we didn't do it saying, hey, we want to be PC about this. We believed in the stories that we had, that we wanted to tell. I believe in Kamala Khan and her mission statement, and what she can do—not just for comics in general and storytelling, but what she can do um, for the identity, uh, the, the identity struggle that we all have today. Um, we are in the midst of a crisis of conscience in this country, um, and people are so afraid of brown, and I don't know why. Um, so if you have figures like that, and if we if we are sharing experiences of our of our superheroes in particular, um, that are very you know diverse and inclusive. Um, I think that says so much more about the American experience. I think that's really more about the American identity than anything else, is all of those various divergent individuals, people from all backgrounds, who are doing good things and positive things and helping one another. Um, And I think that's what's going to win over the the negativity. And and I'm very, very proud of what Marvel has accomplished. So thank you for... for Being a Ms. Marvel fan and tell your friends and buy comics and give them to your friends because it's Marvel's really hot right now. It's
7: good. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All right. So, unless we have any more questions, oh, we got one more question. All right. I think this will be the, the, the last one.
7: Hello, I'm Sharla, and I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. We've gained some awesome information. Thanks. So just to piggyback off of your last statement, do we see a four-female superhero villain lead show coming or something for Marvel?
1: Uh, are you talking about a, like a series or a movie? Series, or?
7: movies, film, you know.
1: So, as uh, I, I can't say anything.
7: Because um, <laughs> I do know about the, the three in the chapters. You know, yeah. You
1: so there there's going to be a lot coming uh, i don 't want to say more than that just because I will get fired um, <laughs> there it, It's really exciting to see um, what's upcoming in the m c u uh, what's upcoming within the television space There's so much out there. Um, I think you'll be happy with um, the sort of next cast of characters that are that are going to be put out uh, put up front. Um, but we have a lot more room to grow, and we will get there. Um, it's probably just a matter of time, um,
0: and these ladies will probably have a lot more work to do I think what's really sort of important is that we don't want to spoil you guys. you know the internet is now full of spoils. We a lot of times get to see things and before it's out there, and so we don't get that that sense of of like excitement, like at the end of Civil War, the trailer when you see Spider-Man for the first time, like seeing like the internet's reaction and also the people in the office who may not necessarily get the spoils, seeing their reactions makes what we do Like amazing, like you know, I always say I can't do what I do without you guys. And I think you know, keeping keeping those little secrets and those little spoilers inside, so that when we do release them, they're big and they're wow and they're amazing. Similar to the Thor Ragnarok uh, release, like being able to say, like, we got Kate Blanchett, we've got Jeff Goldblum, we've got this person, we've got this person, we've got the like that. I think makes things more exciting. So basically, if you
1: come across a, a script, a Marvel script, Burn don't it. post it on the internet. Burn it. Burn it. Yeah. <laughs> save the excitement for the fans because people spoil it all the time. Um, but yeah. But thank you, all of you guys, uh, for, for being here today and for uh, celebrating our 100th episode. Thank you to our panelists. And I believe we, everyone can find you guys somewhere on social media or Twitter. Yes? yes. Yes. No, Really? <laughs> come like, on. It's tw- I 2016.
4: I know, I know, but I have no social media presence really. How will she stalk
1: you? She she wants
4: to stalk <laughs> you. So I think I have a Facebook page somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, great. So, uh, do you want to let us know, let them know where they can find us on Twitter? Correct. Um, There's a slide up there. You guys can take a picture of this. But we, um, the Woman of Marvel podcast, is available every Friday on iTunes and Marvel.com slash Woman of Marvel. We also have a Tumblr, a Twitter. uh, So, if you have questions for us or you want to suggest sort of topics of conversation or people we want to talk to, you can email us at. Woman of at marvel.com I directly will answer your emails I promise I will you can also tweet at the marvel um, twitter hashtag Women of Marvel and I check that on a regular basis so it's uh, we, we definitely try to address most of people's questions um, and either address them on the podcast or via email so if you guys want to hit us up and this podcast will be available on June 17th upcoming Friday um, so we want to thank all these lovely ladies who have have joined us in the past and hopefully will join us in the future again. We can talk a little bit about like maybe in the future we'll talk about Luke Cage or that other series that we can't talk about but is coming out.
5: (laughs)
1: And Secrets. we uh, we will be at San Diego Comic-Con. If you guys are out there, come by. Women of Marvel panels will be ha- panel will be happening on Sunday, um, and we'll tweet out that information. We will also be at New York Comic-Con, and we're trying to do a big splash up there, so definitely come by if you guys are at New York Comic-Con. Um, again, thank you guys for supporting us, um, and thank you guys for supporting just uh, comics and women in comics. Share your love with everyone else. If you want to be a creator, write comics, draw comics, do what you possibly can. And to um, share your unique voice within the comic space. So, thank you again, everyone. This was awesome.
0: We want to thank Barnes and Noble for hosting our event, plus all the amazing fans that came out on such short notice. Hopefully, there are more live events in the future. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, please email us at at com or tweet at Marvel with hashtag womanofmarvel. Next week, we return to say goodbye to Emily Shaw. We thank you for rating and reviewing on iTunes. We'll check you guys next week. This is Marvel, your universe.